0: Well, if you're visiting with us this morning, once again, welcome. We are actually walking through um, the book of James, um, working through a sermon series entitled A Faith That Works. And over the past few weeks, we have looked at the importance of being doers of the Word. We we hear the Word, we obey the Word, and we're blessed by the Word. And last week we kind of saw that on full display when we looked at the importance of works, right? Um, our closing point was. work does not lead to faith, but faith leads us to do good works. We're saved by grace, but once we become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are set apart for something amazing and something great, and that is being a part of the Great Commission. And so we're going to see that a little bit more this morning. And then this morning's message point is this, faith is proven by our words. Faith is proven by our words. Every one of us in this room have either been deeply wounded by somebody's words or we have deeply wounded somebody else by our words, right? All of us have been there. All of us have done that. A young man once came to the great philosopher Socrates to receive instruction in speech. The moment the young man was introduced, he began to talk without allowing Socrates to get a word in. And when Socrates finally could get a word in, he said, young man, I will have to charge you a double fee. The young man asked, a double fee? Why is that? To which Socrates replied, I will have to teach you two things today. First, how to hold your tongue, then how to use it. I think all of us can, can learn some valuable lessons when it comes to our tongue. Our message point uh, our message titled this morning is overflow. Jesus said in Luke 6:45, "The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks." Other translations say out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to James chapter 3. We're going to be reading together verses 1 through 12. So Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these sayings ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray again. Father, we come before you again this morning just asking you, Father, that you will bless your word. Father, bless, Father, the words that are spoken this morning as well. Father, may all of us leave this morning changed individuals because we have heard a word directly from you. Father, as we talk about the tongue and the venom that is often present with our speech, Lord, we pray that you will just teach us how we can bring our tongue under control and our entire bodies under control as well. Lord, we love you and we thank you. For in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as we walk through this passage this morning, I want us to realize the power of the tongue. The tongue, if it goes unchecked, is a destructive force, isn't it? It's it's almost like you and I have dynamite in our mouth. Um, I I had to improvise this morning and try to create a little stick of dynamite. Um, And and this is straight from um, AutoZone, I believe, is where I picked this up. But many of you are familiar with Alfred Noble. Alfred Noble, in 1866, invented dynamite. He developed the explosive device so that it could be used to make civilization better. Specifically, he he developed it for the building of roads and the building of bridges. Um, He created the nitroglycerin for that purpose. But soon, other people um, got a hold of, of, of his invention. And they began to use what he intended to use for good, for evil. And quickly, that which was intended to make civilization better was used to completely destroy civilizations through bombs. And this troubled him so greatly that he left the vast um, fortune that he had gained. He left that and started the, the Nobel Peace Prize. And that was all begun because of that which he intended for good quickly became used for evil. As believers, you and I have dynamite in our mouth. We can use the power of our words to build people up, or we can use the power of our words to destroy people. Now, our first couple of points this morning aren't necessarily speaking of of the destructiveness of our words um, towards individuals, but in a way, it is. So notice our first point this morning. It is this. Notice the teacher's warning. In verse 1, we read, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Within this passage of Scripture, we see two truths. Number one, not all people are called to be teachers. Throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus, we see James, we see Peter, we see Paul, and we see other leaders in the church addressing teachers in the church because quickly, People were rising within churches to teach, and and a lot of those teachers taught a false doctrine. And and we have to ask ourselves, well, what led to these men and sometimes women to rise up within the church and teach a false doctrine? Well, it's important for us to understand that back in the day, teachers were like modern-day rock stars. The word rabbi means teacher, but if you dig into that word a little bit more, it means great one. To have been a teacher meant you were a master in a particular field, meant you were a master of a subject, and it also with that came the influence that you had. And as an influencer within society, you would also have a following. So within these churches, there were people that were not qualified to be teachers, not set apart by God to be teachers, rising. For the sake of that rock star status. And Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.11 making it very, very clear that, that teaching is a gift given by God. He wrote, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. The Lord gifts his teachers with that giftedness also comes a tremendous responsibility. Notice also in this passage of scripture we see that teachers will be judged. In, in um, the latter part of verse 1, it says, For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. As a teacher entrusted by God with his precious word, we will be held accountable for the words that we speak. And that doesn't matter if you are a growth group, teacher, an adult teacher, a youth teacher, a children's teacher, a preschool teacher. Maybe you don't teach regularly on Sunday, but you teach at VBS and you're a part of our Iwana ministry. You are a teacher of the Word of God. And Scripture is clear that as a teacher, You will be held accountable for the words that you speak, as will I. That is why it is so important that we make sure that we are always prayed up and prepared up before we stand before God's people, right? And so we see here that that we will be judged. Now, I want to make it very, very clear here. Every single person in this room is a teacher. Okay? You may not be given a platform within the church to be a teacher, but you have been set apart at the moment of your salvation to be a teacher. In, in Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, the Great Commission, we read these words. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All of us are teachers of faith. All of us have been set apart to teach. We've been set apart to teach our children, to teach our grandchildren, to teach our neighbors. If God gives us that opportunity, co-workers, classmates, any person that God brings into our lives that we have influence over, we have been set apart to teach and to make disciples of them. We are all teachers. Our platform for teaching may be different. But all of us teach. Notice also here we see James continue addressing the teacher. And we see in verse um, 2 the believer's reality. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. We see here, for we all stumble in many ways. Isn't that the truth? Think about ways in which we stumble. Okay, Um, how many of you have ever tripped over your own feet? How many of you have ever woken up in the middle of the night and and you were getting out of bed to go to the bathroom or something and you stubbed your toe and you hit the ground afterwards? Um, I know that some of you in this room have tripped over your animals and you have gotten hurt. Some of you have even gone to the emergency room because you've tripped over your animals. We trip over things all the time, don't we? Um, But what what we're seeing here in this passage of Scripture, okay, is not tripping over our feet, okay? It's talking about um, spiritually being tripped up. James is pointing out here that our tongue can trip us up and hinder our forward progress and, and to be. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body, If your tongue does not trip you up, then you are well on your way to perfection. And I know some of you in here are well on your way to perfection. Others like me, we've got a ways to go because of this saying in our mouth called, called a tongue. It's like dynamite, okay? It gets in our way. It kind of falls out of our mouth and literally trips up our witness because we say the wrong things at the wrong time. In Proverbs 21, 23 Solomon wrote, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Think about the number of times that your tongue has gotten you in trouble. When as a child you back talked to your parents or your tongue has gotten you in trouble as you have addressed your spouse in a way that isn't wholesome or maybe you have um, spoken ill of another person, a coworker, or a friend. This saying trips us up. All too often. How many of you are familiar with the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me? How many of you believe that saying? None of us, right? Because because sticks and stones, they may break our bones and we'll recover from that, right? But sometimes the words that we speak against somebody or the words spoken against us, sometimes they have a more lasting effect. Sometimes it takes us longer to get over that wounding than it would if somebody would just hit us upside the head with a two-by-four, right? So we need to realize the power of our words. Tony Evans said this. He said, God knew that the tongue was so dangerous that he put it behind bars called teeth and put it in a cage called your mouth, thinking that, hey, if I can just get that thing closed, then maybe they won't say so much negative things. We have dynamite in our mouth. Notice point number three, it's this, the tongue's power. James goes on to share a series of word pictures to help communicate his point. In verses 3 through 5 we read, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts, of great things. The first thing we see a few different illustrations that um, James speaks of. The first thing that he talks about is how this little, um, this is a bridle, okay, Chief, thank you for letting me borrow this this morning. Um, but right in the middle of this is a bit, okay? Without that bit, it would be hard to control a multi hundred pound. Animal right, but this little bit right here it allows the rider to keep that horse under control it's amazing that something so small can be so powerful. once there was a man who um, decided that he was going to train his horse to not respond to the use of a of a, of a bridle but to respond to the use of verbal commands. And this man was a Christian, and so he came up with a couple of different words. He thought that it would be good to get the horse to stop every time he said hallelujah. And every time he said the word praise the Lord, the horse would, would go. And so this man used those commands and trained that horse well, um, but soon he stopped using those commands and went back to the old school style by bridling up the horse, and, and he, he would maneuver that horse wherever he wanted to go. But one day he decided that he was going to go back to using verbal commands. And so he was out on a ride one day, and he was galloping along, and then all of a sudden he starts getting really, really close to the edge of a cliff. And he started panicking because he could not remember the two words to make that horse go and stop. And so he began to just scream out different, different religious words. He said holy. He said worthy. He said amen. On and on and on. And finally, he remembered the word hallelujah. And so he screams out at the top of his lungs, hallelujah. And that horse stops right at the edge of that cliff. And so the man, he took off his hat and he wiped his brow. And he goes, praise the Lord. And over the cliff they went. The tongue is a powerful for, force, isn't it? What we say matters. The next illustration that James speaks of here is, is the, the, the use of a rudder. How a small piece of metal just below the waterline is able to control a mighty ship. You know, up here, um, I like to cruise. I'm not going to go on a cruise for a little while until this little virus thing gets under control. Um, but it amazes me that a ship that's able to co- carry 10,000 people is able to be controlled with such a small rudder. But it is, and James points this out. Um, even, even within our passage of Scripture, Ray Pritchard points out also the tongue itself is a tiny muscular organ weighing two or three ounces. That means it makes up one-tenth of one percent of the average person's weight. Almost everything in your body weighs more than your tongue. But what havoc the tongue inflicts. The tongue's impact outweighs its size, doesn't it? Think about all the things that this thing in our mouth, all the relationships that have been destroyed or all of the conversations that have been tainted because of it. We have dynamite in our mouth. Notice the next point, the tongue's destruction. The the latter part of verse 5 we read, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. You know, in 1871, a devastating fire swept through the city of Chicago. It left about 300,000 people homeless. 7,500 homes were destroyed. Around 300 people were killed. It it left about $200 million worth of destruction behind. Today, that would be billions of dollars worth of destruction. And one theory is that the fire was set by Miss O'Leary's cow. When that cow kicked over a lantern in the barn, It then set some hay on fire. And within minutes, the entire barn was on fire. And because of those Chicago winds, it quickly spread from that barn throughout the city. It is amazing how one small flame left unchecked can destroy so much. The same is true with our tongue. An unchecked tongue, according to James, can stain the whole body. It can set ablaze the entire course of one's life. Solomon speaks of our potential, uh, of, of our potential destructiveness in Proverbs 26:18 and 19. We read, like a man, madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only Joking. The picture here is of a warrior who inflicts destruction wherever he goes. He he uses his weapons for the purpose of annihilating his enemies. Solomon says that a person who, who has loose lips and says, I was only joking, is like a destructive soldier. How many times have you been belittled or belittled another person? Only to say, I was only joking. I was just kidding with you. Has that ever happened to you? Has someone ever deeply wounded you and they come back and say, I was just joking with you? Does that make it better? No, it doesn't make it better at all, does it? Because the damage has already been done. Whenever I was in, in um, probably junior high and high school, there was a phrase that went around called, um, which was, I'm just joshing you. How many of you remember, I'm just joshing you? Tiffany, you remember that, don't you? You probably said that yesterday, didn't you? Probably. But I remember saying that, and, and, and I would you know, probably say a little white lie or something and say, I'm just joshing you. Does that make it better? By saying something other than I was only joking? Absolutely not, not, because the damage is done with our words. James tells us that the tongue, if it goes unchecked, has become as it is because it has been set on fire by hell. Where do words like, um, or where do harsh words come from, or ugly words, or degrading words, or derogatory words, or vindictive words? Where do those condemning words come from? You want to know where they come from? They come from the pit of hell, is where they come from, don't they? Satan implants those words in our hearts and in our minds. That's why it's so important for us to guard ourselves against the things that we allow ourselves to be influenced by. we got to watch what we, what we watch and be careful um, the things that we listen to and, and be careful where we find ourselves in association with other people because the words that people say they're caught, aren't they? I mean, think about how many times you said something and maybe tripped on a word and said something that you shouldn't have said, and then all of a sudden these little ears begin to say that word that you said. Or you're watching a movie and there's a phrase said, and then all of a sudden your kids start saying that phrase. Those words that we hear and that we, that we see and that we speak They get planted within the hearts of individuals. We must guard ourselves against the devil's influence by ensuring that we are filling our mind and our heart with wholesome words and not critical words. Notice next. Okay, here's some encouraging words for you, okay? The tongue is untamable. In verses 7 and 8 we read, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile, And sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Here is the thing here's what the tongue does it rebels against the body. Have you ever heard the phrase, loose lips sink the ship? This saying originated as propaganda during World War II. It was put on posters and they were put all over the place. And the purpose of that was to to encourage the citizens and the soldiers to make sure that they spoke highly of things, war especially, as opposed in a negative way. The British equivalent was careless talk costs lives. A person with loose lips does not think before they speak. Their mouth often rebels against their heart. Someone in this room this week posted this saying up on the the screen here. Um, Just because it pops into my head does not mean it should come out of my mouth. Pretty good words right there. Most of us, um, if you're like me, you just speak what's on your mind and what's in your heart without giving any thought to it. James shares that every beast, bird, reptile and sea creature can be tamed by mankind. And we know this to be true because we've all seen the lion that has been tamed at the circus. We we've witnessed the elephant as it is brought under the control of its trainer at places like the zoo. And and we've seen the 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 sea creatures at SeaWorld doing all kinds of tricks with simple commands by 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 the by the trainer. We see this on full display. James says that man can tame everything, but the one thing man cannot tame is the tongue. And you know why? Because the problem is a heart problem. At the center of why we can't get our words right is our heart. The things that we put into here eventually come out of here. And that leads us to our final point this morning. Notice the tongue's confession. In verses 9 through 12, we read With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, this saying ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James speaks to the inconsistencies that accompany our speech. Out of these lips come praise to our Father. This morning, I pray that every single one of us participated in worship. And out of these lips came forth praise to God the Father. Now, let me ask you this. Before you got here this morning, what was it that came out of your lips? Was it wholesome things? Man, did your kids say something that kind of got under your skin? Did your parents say something that got under your skin? Did somebody say something that just kind of made you mad or somebody cut you off on your way to church and you said something that probably wasn't the most wholesome thing? Out of these very lips come praise and also out of these very lips come cursing. And we got to guard against that. Again in Luke 6:45 we read the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance or overflow of the heart his mouth speaks. James illustrates this by, by, by pointing out that a spring's opening does not produce both salt water and fresh water. It's one or the other. It's not both. A fig tree does not produce olives. A grapevine does not produce figs. A salt pond does not yield fresh water. And last week, you know, I had my little... Um, this functional tree up here on the stage, where it kind of had bananas and apples and pears and plums and lemons and limes and all kinds of different things. It was an apple tree, but yet that tree had a bunch of different things on it. Well, it was an apple tree on ADD, right? Um, and and what James is making clear to us this morning is that we can't produce both good and bad out of our mouth. Okay, our words give evidence of our faith doesn't it? The words that we speak can either bring somebody potentially to Christ or push somebody away from Christ. So we got to be careful with what we say. Daniel Akin shares these words, such inconsistency compromises our confession. Have you ever stopped to really think about um, the words that your children or your grandchildren or others here come out of your mouth? Think about your kids for a minute. Out of your mouth, you say, I love you. I am so proud of you. I thank God for you. Also, out of these very lips, we say, shut up. Put that down. Stop that right now. I don't care what you're doing. Get over here right now. Listen to me. Give me that. Don't touch that. Go away, you're bothering me. Can't you see I'm busy? That was dumb. Why did you do that? Can't you do anything right? You know, I think all of us have probably said things out of our mouth that we regret. And some of those sayings right there are things that we regret saying after we've said them. The problem is sometimes a simple, please forgive me, Yes, biblically, we know that's enough, but for a little child that doesn't really understand what forgiveness is all about and how to, how to remove the damage that's already been done, it kind of sticks with them for a while, doesn't it? We need to be careful with what we say. Our words are powerful when directed at our children or directed at others. The tongue's purpose is to bring, bring praise to God and praise to man. Let us replace that which is condescending and condemning with that which is God-honoring, fruitful, wholesome, and life-giving. As we close this morning, how do we do that? Well, talk less, listen more. Memorize Scripture. Get rid of that, 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 that unwholesome stuff out of your life and replace it with God's Word. Memorize Scripture Implant God's Word in your heart and in your mind. Build others up. Make that a habit to build people up and not tear them down. One writer shared this acronym, think first. Ask yourself before you speak, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Think first. Take a moment to think before you speak. King David wrote these words in Psalm 39.1, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. You and I might need to put into practice what King David put into practice many years ago. By guarding ourselves. If we feel like we're about to say something that we shouldn't say, we muzzle our mouths. It was said of Jesus in John seven forty six. No one ever spoke like this man. Can you imagine if it was said of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that people just don't speak like that? No one ever spoke like this man. May it be said of us as believers that no one speaks like them. Let's, let's this morning think before we speak. Let's take God's word and hide God's word in our heart so that we can be the difference makers that God wants us to be. Our faith gives evidence of our, 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 our words and, and what we do gives evidence of our faith. We need to be careful with what we, what we say and what we do because people are watching us. You know, as I close this morning, I want to get you to begin praying with me about something. On March the 22nd, okay, that's a couple of Sundays from now, I want to challenge us as a faith family to enter into a 21 days of fasting period, Okay. And I'm not asking you to fast from food, okay? So let's just go ahead and establish that right now. If you want to fast for 21 days from food, more power to you. I don't think the Lord is leading me to do that, okay? But there are some things that we can fast from to help prepare us spiritually for what we believe the Lord is wanting to do here at Friendship. Um, Maybe you need to fast from a meal a day or um, once a week fast for the day. And during that time, as you're fasting from a meal, replace it with the Word of God. Spend that time praying. Maybe you're just going to skip lunch. Well, spend that time praying to the Lord. You know, maybe it's that the TV, you need to fast from that. Maybe you need to fast from social media. Figure out something that is in your life that's hindering your relationship with the Lord and fast from that and replace it with something of the Lord, like His Word, or prayer, or service, or all of the above. Now, as we seek to become the men and women that Christ has called us to be, it's important for us to get to the point in our lives where we're replacing the, the ugliness in our lives with the things of God. Yeah, the moment of our salvation, we became a new creature. A new creation is what we were made into, But over time, sometimes the world gets back into us, right? And we've got to be reminded of the need to get the world out of us. And as we enter into this time of 21 days of fasting, there'll be more information coming up over the next couple weeks. Let's make a commitment that we're going to just get that stuff out of us that isn't wholesome and put in some things that are wholesome, some things of God. You know, this morning, I don't know what kind of decision you might need to make as we enter into this time of invitation. You may be here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today is the day that that you know that the Lord is calling you unto salvation. He's calling you to repent of your sins. He's calling you to cry out to him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you, I'm going to be standing here at the front, and I would love to share with you more about how you can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning. You've been visiting Friendship for a while, and the Lord is leading you to make Friendship your church home. And we welcome you, and we'd love for you to do that. You may be here this morning, and you realize that Man, the things that I've been saying, the words that have been coming forth out of my mouth, man, just are not the best words, and I need help. Man, just spend this time of invitation just praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, help me. Help me to learn to think before I speak. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in the time of prayer. And When I say amen, if there's a decision you need to make, you come. Lord Jesus, again, we come before you now just thanking you for this morning. Thanking you for the privilege of being in your house, Father. Thanking you for your word, Lord. Thanking you for the book of James. Thanking you for the words that were penned by him, Father, about 2,000 years ago. We thank you that they are just as applicable today as they were the day that they were penned. And so, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will help all of us in this word, this room, Lord, learn to bring our tongue under control. Father, we know that it is explosive. And so, Father, may the explosions out of our mouth be words of God. Words that build up instead of tear down. Father, I pray this morning that there is someone here that does not have a relationship with you, that today you will draw them unto salvation. Father, may today be the day that they repent of their sins and say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, on this day I am making you Lord and Savior of my life. Father, move now during this time of invitation. First, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just spend some time praying. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. Our instruments are going to play for a moment, and then we'll sing together. But until then, let's pray and ask the Lord how he would have us to respond to this message, or you come if the Lord is leading you to come.